no, 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 no. I'm still on the fucking hype train. Like, you've seen me. I'm hyped about this game. What is up, my funky Canadians? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Mo Video Games Podcast. You may have thought that we had forgotten about you, our loyal dear listeners, but we have not. You may have forgotten about ourselves, but that's okay. It happens. It happens to the best of us and the worst of us. Who knows where we truly lie? Either way, this week, um, we were not prepared for the top video game soundtrack bracket Doom Slayer face-off of all time, but then we ended up getting on a rather long tangent about what makes games good and how we want to review games and the such. So, I hope you enjoy. I've learned that I have a terrible potty mouth trying to pick a clip. I just drop fuck everywhere all the time. So I'm going to put some soap in my mouth while you listen to this. Enjoy. Hey, it's your boy Maxwell here. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) And... It's Emma's birthday today, so happy birthday, Emma. Happy, happy birthday. God bless. You rock. Um, if you ever listen to this, I'm sorry, <laughs> but also happy birthday. Um, yeah, how did you get here? That's really the question, I feel like, but... Yeah, there's more questions to be answered, but... Maybe thank you more than <laughs> happy birthday, but maybe both. Why not? Oh, it, yeah, both. Both. Thank, yeah. thank birthday. Thank that's, birthday. That's the final answer. Um, and we're starting off on the, the hip hop and, uh, craziness that we like to do here with the Mo Video Games late night specials, which is we make absolutely zero sense. We're starting off strong because we haven't even introduced my boy over here, Oliver. <laughs> Why did we have to introduce? We've been recording this how long. Do you know how many episodes we're at? Uh, no. <laughs> do you? Yeah. That's what I thought. See, do you know? I know how many. I don't know how many. But it's like I think we're in the seventies. Yeah, I don't think we have to introduce. Is what I'm saying. Do we? I don't. How do podcasts normally go? I don't. So if we assume the people have been here since the beginning, which we know they have. Thank you, Canadians who have been here from the beginning. Um, God bless Canadians. Hopefully, maybe at some point there will be somebody new who stumbles upon this. Unfortunately, and uh, yeah, maybe like an American will come once, and we'll be like, "Fuck your healthcare." Oh, the 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 jokes. Yeah, are, that was layered. Deep. Yeah, too many layers. Um, well, speaking of layers, I don't have any uh, actual relation to layers. But if you haven't noticed, the title of this podcast is Tech News, and that's because it's been like a month since we recorded. I don't know. Time is but a construct, and we are. But it's we've been busy. Maidens. And uh, yeah, we've been busy. And so there's a lot of tech news to catch up on. And we also have not prepared the soundtracks. Oh, surprise, surprise. What do you know? It's another week we haven't prepared soundtracks. That's, I think we have maybe more episodes at this point since we've started the soundtrack bracket where we don't no, talk no, about no, the no, soundtrack no, bracket. It's, it's not been eight episodes because we should have eight. It was top 16, right? So sure. we have not had just eight tech news sound or uh, epis. We found like know. three or four. We're, we're we're. I bet you we've we've cusped like the fifty percentile, right? But so I bet you we're at like five. But <laughs> we're um, not at not at nine. That'd be crazy. That'd be uh, crazy. But yes, it's tech news. We got tech news to cover. We got games that we've played. 
soundtracks we've listened to, but they're not necessarily going in the bracket because some people here aren't fans of the hype train. Not naming any <laughs> not, names. I'm not prohibiting you from making any moves you want to make, Maxwell. The tickets are free, but I can't even pay to give them to Oliver. So It seems early. This man over here. Okay, I got some complaining to do, actually. All right, let's 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 do it. it. We're overdue for complaints. Lay it on us, Oliver. Okay, so uh, I mentioned last episode, a mere week or four ago, um, that <laughs> I... Um, okay, I mentioned this a long time ago, but either way, Blasphemous DLC, final DLC. Do I remember what it's called? No, Stir of Dawn? Sounds, sounds appropriate. That's one of the DLCs. <laughs> um, but, so... Add new DLC that adds like two new bosses and the new true canon ending to the story because apparently the old endings weren't canon. I don't know. Either way, they added a new ending to the story. I start playing the DLC and I'm like, oh, I could start on one of my new Game Plus run throughs, right? Where I have some modifier that makes the game unnecessarily fucking more difficult than need be. But I was like, I haven't played for a while. Let me just do regular new game run through it and i have this thought at the beginning of my head which will pretty much tell you the whole story as soon as i say this but i'm like i should really look up how to get to the dlc because this is technically speaking souls like in the sense that nothing makes sense nothing is told to you and you have no idea how anything fucking works at any given time sure so i'm about mm, three or four hours into my playthrough uh i could i casually just like running through blasphemous maybe six to nine hour game right it's pretty pretty quick um and so i'm probably like halfway through my playthrough and i run into this new area talk to the statue and she essentially says something that it's just like well if my brother was alive then this wouldn't be an issue and i'm like wow did i really just like fuck up this dlc but i'm like this can only be one part of the dlc and i'm sure i just missed something so i beat the entire game I'm at the last boss, and I'm like, wow, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be able to get to the DLC. Let's look it up. And I look it up, and I was exactly correct five hours ago in my playthrough that when I read that text and thought, man, I probably missed the DLC, I missed the DLC entirely, and all of it, too. It's not just I missed a part of it. I missed fucking all of it. So one of the last bosses... Okay, spoilers, so skip fed four minutes one of the last bosses before the final boss Crisanta, who's essentially like trying to defend the fucking miracle i put the fucking beat down on her because i'm an og motherfucker with a sword <laughs> and i i go back find a second new area i'm like more dlc fucking finally who do i run into there right because Crisanta, you try to execute her you can't execute her so this time this playthrough i just walked away because i was like there's no point it's just gonna she's gonna have her jump away like a douchebag i run into Crisanta, bleeding her ass off at an altar and she just says for lack of better words she's just like stop talking to me and i'm like i have fucking royally screwed the dlc that's when i actually started looking it up (laughs) so i wasted i wasted eight to nine hours of playthrough Got no DLC, no essentially no new content, right? I talked to two, I talked to a statue of a woman, and I talked to a woman who was bleeding out on her last breath, and both of them essentially told me to fuck off. Which for DLC, I guess maybe that's appropriate. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, yeah, 
Do I plan on going back? I want to say no, but I do want to get the DLC. So I, I still yes. don't know. Um, but yeah, that... Am I surprised? No. Do I think it's fair for me to say that fucking sucks and I'm frustrated? I think so. I think that's a fair, like, what the hell. Especially yes. with most people at that point, I don't think many people are still picking up Blasphemous. So people are coming back for just the DLC. Probably have already beaten the game at least once, if not twice, right? So it's just like, why are you forcing me to look it up beforehand? I mean, I kind of want to find it naturally right like that's kind of the fun of these games is to explore and figure out what's new so yeah i think it was pretty frustrating i was very frustrated when i stopped i definitely cooled my horses a little bit but it's still it's still pretty frustrating it's a lot of it's a lot of gameplay to lose i mean like eight to nine hours i could have beaten portal one twice by your math yeah think of undertale. by your playthrough <laughs> so yeah well undertale is we don't talk of that but similar scenario yeah yeah oh my gosh don't get me started but so either way very frustrating um i mean do the bosses look cool yeah i watched the new ending the new ending is so far seeming it feels so far removed stylistically from the rest of the game Mm -hmm. i have no fucking idea why they did it the way that they did is there going to be a blasphemous too it sounds like the answer is yes so maybe they were trying to like allude to a stylistic direction or some story direction that they're going to on that. But the new ending is fucking weird. It felt so just like, man, you know what? We caught this ball and it's not even left field. We're in like the forest behind left field, right? It was just, <laughs> I had no idea where they came from with it. So yeah, it was all weird, but that is pretty much the only like new game I've been playing. Not new, but interesting game i've been playing other than the fact i hit diamond and rocket league twos so pretty much god oh my god yeah damn that's actually pretty sweet <clears throat> yeah one of my coworkers is not happy with me for uh i think i'm a higher rank than him and have been playing for nowhere near as long but i keep trying to tell him that he's what he he made me good you know sometimes what do you call it the the senpai has to pass the sensei wand, so <laughs> I, I grasshopper think has to pass the master. What, the, uh, what, what is the expression? The, the student has become the teacher. The master or yeah, the teacher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There or we something. go. Uh, ah. Ah! But I think we're underestimating the value the League of Legends play adds to that, and I mean that legitimately. Like I think you're like reaction time your like skills with a mouse and keyboard like you're you're a certified esports gamer bro i 100% agree and i've tried bringing up the fact that i've been playing like competitive like that games for a long time and put a lot more time in it than he has but he just doesn't buy it <laughs> that's like, like a yeah. freebie that's like that's saying you're admitting, like, oh, I don't have innately more skill than you. I've just practiced more. And he's like, nah. Yeah, fuck you. I don't, I don't, You're just better I don't than understand me. It. Like, yeah. Hey, it is what it is. That's exciting, though. I'm pumped for you, man. Yeah. I mean, I started playing, I've, like, I've never been super serious about esports, but I was playing, like, competitive shooters when I was in, like, middle school, you know? And I was like, <laughs> not to brag. I was pretty, I was pretty, I was pretty okay at the time. <laughs> Gears of War, they had the torque bow, which is a fucking bow and arrow but it shoots like a sticky 
frag grenade essentially. Ooh. And it's a one yeah. shot as long as you hit them like waist up. And I that I I was I good with any other gun? Absolutely not. But did I have rock solid flick accuracy with that fucking one gun? It's like when you see people with like snipers on Call of Duty doing the bullshit. Why do you have the 360? You don't have to three. There's no reason the 360 no scope. Just no scope them. It's the same fucking point. Because you're trying to destroy them. Yeah, maybe there's something about the morale game that I'm just underestimating. When you watch that kill but, cam, you see the 360 no scope. Your esteem, it's down seventy zero. points. That's packed. <laughs> so yeah, but either way, I've tried. I've tried to console him, but who knows? I also cannot figure out anything about Rocket League statistics. This is not an important gripe at all. But I try looking up like rank distributions. Mm, yeah, it makes no sense. A, they're on their like sixteenth season because their seasons only last for a couple. It's either four months or half a year i forgot but they've had a trillion seasons and then when they got purchased by epic they reset the season count to one so oh. there's two season ones there's two season twos there's two season threes there's two season so on so forth so um yeah like you got to be like looking up the season and the date the article is released and then there's not even concurrency in that so i'm somewhere between the top 50 percentile and the top 10 to 5 percentile and i have no idea where i'm at but <laughs> booyah does it matter no it's fucking car soccer the game's so funny you got you got a diamond though that's all that matters something i'll never hit in league especially because i'll never play league again oh you heard it here first folks <laughs> so what have you been playing maxwell Funny or what ask. have you been finishing? <laughs> oh, somebody's spoiling something, I see. Uh, so yeah, I've been playing Horizon Forbidden West, and I finally complete the main, completed the main story. <laughs> How was it? Interesting. Good, bad, neutral, or lean good, lean bad. <laughs> it's tough it's it's weird like i'm i'm very hype on the game but giving an actual verdict is something i need to let it simmer for longer i it good for sure Got it reaction is, okay it, it's on it's on the positive side for sure i'm very happy yeah. with the game i'm happy with how it compared to the first game how it grew from the first game um what it did but there's there's one thing that I, I can't. It it would spoil literally the entire game, and I I guess oh, I can't so talk story about thing it. right that is is making it less bueno. It is giving me pause, but it's like I wish I could say it because it's not like it's not as bad as it sounds. Like my my gripe being, but it's a thing. But I can't talk about it because it would spoil. I'm I'm in a weird and it, and the the problem is the reason I can't like tell viewers or listeners to like stop listening for a second is because I also want Oliver to experience this hopefully as spoiler free as possible at some yeah. point in life and uh I've consumed very little of it and I am excited to go through it but I will say they there was a mechanic they added that's awesome um that I can't talk about uh, but I, I, I knew it was coming. 
I suspected it slash kind of had it spoiled for me, but was very glad when it came. Um, so it's so weird to talk about it with like out being able to talk about it because it's like it's spoiler. Like I mean, the the game is full of like it's just story points that are very interesting that you should find out as you find them out. Um, so it does Do you- it does maintain the like. You you probably would not be able to guess where the story is going, uh, up to a certain point. I think um, is fair. Other than Adam, Adam saw the plot twist of one. Interesting. The only man I know. I'd be interested to know what he saw, because I I certainly saw Beauty. Grace. <laughs> the, the, there was one thing that I was like for sure. I mean, they like the second the game started, I was like, oh, obviously this is what they're gonna do, um, but. Yep. Do you nope. think it's worth, like, let's say that Horizon Zero Dawn's on sale right now for twenty five dollars on Steam, hypothetically? Do you think it's worth? Do you think it's worth replaying through H Zero D before starting the H F Dubs? That's an interesting question, because my gut was no, because I think the story is all you need to take from it. Okay. Um. I feel like when you say that, though, it makes me think that the answer is yes. But what I think it would do is if you played it before, is you would then go to Horizon Forbidden West and be like, oh, my God, this game is so much better. Like it would. I think going into Horizon Forbidden West farther removed from Horizon Zero Dawn, you'll think, oh, they improved some stuff. But I think if you played Horizon Zero Dawn and then played Horizon Forbidden West, it would be much more shocking how much changed and improved over the previous game. So that's why I'm like, I'm on the fence. Like, I think it would enhance your, like, positive feelings of Horizon Forbidden West, I guess, and give you a better drop. But, like, the story is really what I think was most important. So, like, story recaps would be what I would recommend. But, I don't know. the the, the ge- if you So, for those listening... If you haven't played Horizon Zero Dawn, I absolutely recommend you play that first, without question. The only reason I'm recommending this to Oliver is because he's played Horizon Zero Dawn already. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah. the I love this world. This is, j- just from like a lore and like story standpoint, like this whole like AI humanities hubris or however you pronounce that, whatever, like sci-fi apocalypse type stuff is like this is my jam i think it's your jam too so like i just i love this world like regardless of anything else about it how you feel about the story the graphics the gameplay all that kind of stuff this world i am just so glad that they made another game in it um so that i am very happy with i still at the end of the game without question stand by this is the most beautiful and impressive visual game i've ever played um that well, the impressiveness will change if Naughty Dog releases a PS5 remaster of The Last of Us Part Two, because that game coming out on the PS4 it was a technical marvel, like, oh my god, incredible. But Horizon Zero Dawn is by far way more diverse in the biomes and the visuals and the beauty. It's going for this beautiful art style. 
my God. That's kind of how I felt about Horizon Zero Dawn when I played it. Like at the time, Horizon Zero Dawn was like this kind of like, wow, this is a fucking incredible looking game. And this is now the third game to be developed in the Decima engine, a brand new engine that was built for Horizon Zero Dawn. And then Kojima used it for Death Stranding and now Horizon Forbidden West. Um, so I've seen some people talking about the fact that for a game engine that's this young, it's impressive what's coming out of it. Um, I I can't speak to that because I'm not a game developer. I don't know, like, it, like because you have someone like Naughty Dog, and I feel like they're just constantly creating evolutions to their game engine. I don't think they're like creating a lot of stuff from the ground up, but some studios are. And some studios like reach the max, like Guerrilla Games was doing the Kill Zone first person shooter franchise before Horizon. And so the Decima engine was their way to be like, okay, now we're changing into this open world third person. Our Kill Zone engine will not work for this. So I don't know. But either way, however you slice it, Death Stranding looks incredible. Whether or not you think it's a walking simulator, the game looks fucking crazy. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn was impressive in Horizon Forbidden West. Easily especially from an open world perspective. The Last of Us Part 2 gets to be even more impressive because it's a very condensed linear story. Even though some parts open up, they can pack a lot more detail into it. Um, but it is the most beautiful open world I've ever seen. I love it. Every- I still think... Yeah. Go ahead. Last Did The Last of Us Part 2 look good? Yes, but... The... <laughs> Yeah, I feel like the they had a lot of just like really crazy good moments that also just made when things looked good, it made those moments more rewarding. Mm. I guess it's like I, I maybe it sounds dumb, but it's just like a game can fucking look good, right? But that only does so much at the end of the day. Like it's uh the scene that I literally always mention is Abby at the top of the buildings. There's like a fucking tower that's fallen and she's climbing across this like radio tower, right? Yeah. That like that scene every time when I think of that game, I think of that and then like the entire climb down from the building after that. And that was one of the it's like moments like that, even when you're like on the boat going through like the city that's like half underwater, right? That's when the graphics I feel like were like really making the game look good. The first part of the game, did I appreciate the graphics and did the graphics look like looking good contribute to it yes but i feel like that just like your brain can kind of interpolate what the real world's supposed to look like and make it seem more credible but in more like weird environments and stuff like that i feel like you get like a better return almost hmm. on or something like like when they're like when she's just in the clouds and you just have this like you can see almost fucking nothing until they show just like the drop off into fucking oblivion and she like loses her ass. Right. Like that, like moments like that, you know, it's just, that's when I think good fidelity contributes to it. But yeah, when it's just, when it's the beginning of it, like the whole sequence up to like the, what the theater, it's like, did the game look good? Yeah. But was I fucking shocked by it? Me. Me. Yeah, that's the how much how much is it really bringing to the table, I guess, is what I'm saying. You know, like I thought HFW looked really <clears> good <throat> other than the fact that Aloy's face kind of terrified me on your stream a little bit. But <laughs> maybe if I was playing it real time, then I wouldn't feel the same way. Um, but just like it looking good isn't enough to make it insane at the, at the level that it improved on. 
so I I agree entirely, and that that you bring up a good point because the I'm I'm talking about it like in a vacuum, like and so you're you're bringing in the game direction and cinematography and art direction and stuff as well, which all of those things working in harmony work really well together. Um, and to your point, I I would have to reflect more comparing the Horizon Forbidden West game direction to The Last of Us Part Two. Again, because Last of Us Part Two is more of a movie with very curated camera angles and moments and story points and Horizon. It's kind of good. Yeah, no, and that's there's a reason God of War is my top game of all time because it's it kind of touches that balance of open world and single player linear like curation and Doom and Last of Us Part Two slapped together. Really good gameplay. Really good story. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's, yeah, it's, that's honestly a, a pretty good analogy. Uh, I you. like it. Um, but yeah, so Horizon Forbidden West, I will say, also has moments that pay off for the world and the art direction um, in, in addition. But j- just in a vacuum, it's everything I see. I'm just like in awe of like how impressive it is. But then at the same time, there, the moment when you walk, I talked about the Redwoods. Um, And like when you approach that area, there's like certain machine types they chose to place in that area, maybe some new machine types that are in that area, Um, some environmental hazards and things. And there's that all of that together was just like it turned what wow, just walking around Redwoods would have been really cool. And then they like, oh, yeah, but we could actually like do this with it. And it was like, oh, Okay. So yeah, I guess I I feel like uh maybe to ex- expand on it slightly more, <clears throat> it's like uh there's times where lower graphical fidelity can distract from the event that's happening. So like I guess kind of more so like with the Last of Us Part Two when she's crossing the scaffolding mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it, right? Like. For those camera angles and stuff like that, if it was low graphical fidelity, it might distract from just like the intensity of the event that's happening, right? Sure. But then when you're introducing an environment that's like nothing that you would ever see in real life, such as what I'm saying, like the entire city underwater or something like that, or what it sounds like you're saying with Redwoods, when it's something that you haven't seen before, then I feel like it's just being able to convey that at the best, most descriptive level possible is only going to immerse the experience even more, right? So like yeah. for things that are like more standard, I think it's more so of a question of like, can you not distract from what's going on? My last Blasphemous playthrough, I don't know what they've updated, but there were times where blacks off the screen, they were just shitty. I don't even understand how they draw what was going on, but it was like just random gray boxes, for lack of better words, just off screen. And it's like, is it does it affect the game at all? No, but is it? distracting as hell when i just see just random just like oh we didn't like quality control this part (laughs) is how i view it right like yeah that's distracting right it's just it's super distracting for what's going on in the game so i think like yeah trying to figure out why fidelity matters right because i don't think either of us are going to disagree that fidelity's at least appreciable right if not important to a game to a certain degree um and in some games it's intentionally like low resolution fidelity right like there's like there's kind of like two different kind of sides of the coin but 
yeah, thinking about why it actually contributes to the game. Because like eight, like Horizon Zero Dawn looked good, but everyone was complaining about the facial animations when people were talking, right? Um, like that was just that was the number one gripe. It was just like these people are talking, and I don't know what their face is doing, but it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with what they're saying. So that's a fair point, and that's I I like. Yeah, I agree with your points. I don't know what else to say other than yeah. God good, bless America. Good, good points, thoughtful execution. And it kind of segues me into one of my tech news uh, things Ooh. pretty well. But yeah, just final thoughts on Horizon Forbidden West. Um, I was talking with Adam about it briefly in kind of my initial thoughts. Has he played it? I don't think so, if I remember correctly. I don't think he has. Um, but the... So th- there's this uh, YouTuber who does reviews, ACG, I think is what he goes by. Um, it was the first time I saw someone use the buy, wait for sale, rent, never touch again um, as like their scale oh, of rating, yeah, yeah. which I thought is kind of nice. It's like, oh, like it's a good you, scale. Yeah, it's it's easier to be like, oh, yeah, no, this is a game worth playing. But like, hey, wait for a sale. Like you, you don't want to pay full price for this right now. Horizon Forbidden West for me is a wait for sale. Um, which seems that's interesting seems harsh and or at least not matching with like my hype levels with it it's not your choo-choo for sure it's not my choo-choo but i doing this podcast has really like mellowed out in a good way my hype train and like made me more thoughtful and critical of things and self-reflective um so I just hope it's not me being a dick to you when you're on. No, the hype train, no, no, so. no, 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 no. I'm still on the fucking hype train. Like you've seen me. I'm hyped about this game. But like when I actually get to like, what is my recommendation? Like trying to put on not that we're like sure, official yeah, yeah. reviewers, but like put on that cap of like, OK, let's be critical. I think wait for I mean, sale semantics. I would say we're official reviewers, but exactly. I'm saying once are we, we get good reviewers, that's different. But are we official reviewers? <laughs> sure. That's <laughs> I'll true. give it that. That's true. Um. But yeah, but that, that for me is a way for sale. There's a couple reasons for it. Um, I complained about Ghost of Tsushima's climbing. Horizon Forbidden West has the same issues for me. Um, that, and so sometimes when you get into like platforming sections, you fall off of things you shouldn't be falling off of and stuff like that. That bothers me. Um, and again, I wish the map didn't have all of the waypoints on it. Um, like, or at least. Like what I liked, so in Days Gone, something they did that I really liked was they have hordes and you find out eventually that there's 40 different hordes in the game. Um, and so like clearing out the hordes is like an objective you don't have to do, um, but they're not marked on the map. So as you're going around the map, you might be shooty shooting some zombies you see and not realize you're next to a horde nest. All of a sudden you got a horde running out and like that's exciting like this at all times you're not sure when there's going to be this danger of this horde or something like that or you stumble across it and it's fun. And at the very end of the game when you complete the story, then it shows on the map, hey, if you want to go back and clear out these hordes, now we've lit them up for you. I like that. Um because it allows you to experience everything organically as you're playing through the game. And then when you complete the game, it's like, hey, look at all this other stuff you can do. That's what I wish they had done. And that's what I've heard. Elden Ring doesn't have any of those waypoint things. Um, it's just yeah, a natural comparison. Very sparse. Um, 
And so that that's exciting. And I think the the stuff in Horizon Forbidden West I played is compelling enough to not need a waypoint to draw me to it. Like this world is so vast and big. If I just saw how big the map is, like, oh, that looks like a cool, interesting terrain over there. I want to go over there. I would stumble across three or four things that are interesting on my way there. Um, and I did like when I wasn't just paying attention to the waypoints, but the, the waypoints, they give you that map anxiety and stuff like that. So it, it doesn't detract too much from the game, but it does make it feel more like the Ubisoft open world. And yeah, that's not a good thing. Um, so we'll see. Those are, those are my two biggest things. But yeah, the content great. So I'll just leave it at that. Wait okay. for sale. That's my that's my final. But I got a terribly not fun question for you to answer. But how would you rate scale of one to ten? The story, the gameplay, and the innovation. Five being average. Okay. Right. Normal distribution around that, or linear, I guess, if you want. Yeah. Let's just do linear. Right. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do binomial. <laughs> but you know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah. I because th- I think those are three three pretty big pr- pretty big metrics for a game, right? How would you rate them? Yeah, and, gut and reaction, right? Obviously, this will change, but story eight. Ooh, um, okay. What was gameplay? Was that next? Gameplay and innovation. Oh, that's tough. Um, wasn't looking for it to be easy. <laughs> Gameplay seven, innovation six. Okay. Again, keeping in mind five, five being average, I I think they were all above above average. average, Right. Yeah. But to varying degrees. Yeah. The story being the highest, not surprising. Knowing eight zero D, definitely the expectation going into it. And how we feel about that game, also. Yeah. Yeah. 80D's gameplay was like good, but it, it did just enough, right, to keep it spicy. And it was clean enough that it was still enjoyable to play, right? But I there was nothing about it that I was like, oh my God. Wow, you implemented things from a variety of different games. Well, like sure, like good job. Sure. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that's bad, right? I'm not trying to dog it, you know, but that's it's just how it felt going through it. Other than the the fact that the tower climbing simulator, it was now a moving tower climbing simulator. That 11 out of 10 innovation for that. That was okay. But I, but actually, though, the fact that the tower is moving was super cool. They did a really good job with that. I do have to say it. They improved the tower in the in Forbidden West. It's, oh, you got me it's more, more hype fun. on that. Yeah. yeah, no, that I have. I know I've been claiming about tower, tower climbing simulators for a while now. The Zero Dawn Forbidden West. Thank God, finally. Someone is just like, how can we make this not fucking boring? Um, it's so bad. So here's, I'll take it one step further on the interesting. And I will compare story. Wow, that's gross. I'm sorry, listeners. Um, story, gameplay, and innovation to Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, please. I was going to ask. So I'm glad that you just give it to me. And so I, I will put Horizon Zero Dawn in all three categories at the five. So if I say something more than a five, that means better than Horizon Zero Dawn. If I say something less, not saying Horizon Zero Dawn is five in those categories, but that's that's the middle. You're trying to scale it. Yeah. Relative to Horizon Zero Dawn, this is how you did it. Yeah. Story. 
4.8. Oh, okay. Not what I was expecting. Not what I was expecting. I was expecting above. I was expecting a 5.2. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could tell you why. Um, yeah, but that's that's fine. Yeah. But 4.8. Basically. And by you, you mean the audience. Yes. <laughs> but pretty close, but it's just. Um, Less whelming. Just ever so slightly. And I think a lot of that has to do with the novelty of Horizon Zero Dawn in the story. Like, we've already established that world, but they still do some crazy stuff in that world, which is why it's 4.8. I just wasn't expecting close. a game to address all of that all at once, and it just felt so out of left field. It's like, I mean, like, when I, when I boot up Doom, I just, I knew what I was getting into when I started playing Doom, and I feel like I never was surprised going through Doom, right? Like <laughs> Until you had to shoot the turret off that spider, and... I did not specify what to do, and I did not specify how many beers I had had or how angry I was at the time. So, um, but yeah, so that gameplay. Remember, Horizon Zero Dawn is a five. Yeah, for this purpose again, man, so many couches. Um, I'd say seven. That's more that that from what you have been talking about is not surprising, and also good because that should be. I I think that should be expected from. Yeah, you better not be regressing in the gameplay department, especially with how long it's been. Right, like that. Yeah. You need, you need that. You need an improvement. There is way more <laughs> variety. There are more machine types. The terrain is varied. Your tools are more. Your skills are better. Your movement types are better. Um, yeah, just across the board, like that alone. But then everything just feels very smooth and good. Um, and then the final piece is innovation. And innovation for me has several factors. You have story innovation. Did it tell a story that was unique? Um, part of that is gameplay innovation. Did it do stuff in a unique way? Uh, and part of it is visual, like the environment. And again, keeping in mind that Horizon Zero Dawn would be the five on this particular scale. Horizon Forbidden West... Actually, you know what? I'll just... I'll I'll do it for each of those categories. Story innovation, I'd say four point five. It's it's very hard to innovate more than Horizon Zero Dawn did because now we're in that world. Um, yeah. So the story innovation is lower. Gameplay innovation. Yeah. Gameplay innovation is again. This is compared to Horizon Zero Dawn, not compared to the industry. I'm not saying what Horizon Zero or Forbidden West like. It is like, if I say it's better than Horizon Zero Dawn, that does not inherently mean, wow, it is the most innovative game in history. Um, yep. Six. I think, it, I think it did a good evolutionary, not revolutionary improvement on all of the gameplay mechanics. Um, so, marginal improvement innovation there. And then, visually... I would say nine on innovation. Like it, the, again, keep in mind it's coming from the PS4, or the PS5, and I'm talking about the PS5 version specifically. Although I've heard that the PS4 version runs phenomenally and is very good. Um, thank God, if developers able to do that, like normally we hear the horror stories like Cyberpunk, but Guerrilla Games came through on that one. But on the PS5, 
there's just so many visual flares and touches and the environments and the verticality and the detail, the innovation is pretty fucking high. It's just, like I said, it's a game that I just can't stop. It's, it's nothing but eye candy. Yeah. So I thought about asking for visuals on the other side, but I feel like I think visual innovation is worth talking about, but I think just visuals innately are not worth talking about. Yeah. In terms of, I think that you're going to suck them up in the other two categories is really the big thing. Um, because I just feel like that's what the point is of the visual is you're trying to use <laughs> it's a video game. You're using the video to tell the story and to have fun in the thing. Right. So the, the, the two things are like, yeah, it's absorbed by the other two metrics. I know. And it's, it's also video games as a medium are still so young, especially 3d video games. Um, yes. It, it seems like they've been around forever, like the nineties or whatever, when the N64 was like really made that prevalent. 96 um, super Mario 64. Super Mario 64. Again, not saying that was the first 3d game, but when 3d became the thing that everyone was like striving towards and but that's not that long. I mean, you think about movies and pottery and other forms of art and creative mediums that have been around for a century plus for movies. Um, and then who knows how many millennia for other forms of art. Like this is still very young. So every time games are coming out, you expect a visual improvement. So that's also, I think, yep. why it's less important to talk about um, to Oliver's point, because it's if it's not, you wonder what happened, especially with these AAA releases that they are like they are marketed and sold on it. So when that is your selling point or a selling point, that's an expectation now. Like Katana Zero, amazing game, 2D side scroller, blasphemous, similar, Hollow Knight. Like these aren't breaking the boundaries of visuals, but they are some of the best games um, you can play today. So. Can't believe such sweet words are leaving your lips right now. I know. What a different Maxwell we live with in 2022. <laughs> I've grown so much. You don't. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, very good point. Man, we have talked a lot, but this is good conversation. I think it's interesting to kind of talk about how we analyze games and what's important. So this has been. I like this new yeah. metric. If I'm being really honest, so I, I feel like this is going to be the new. This is going to be the new ask when we're talking about games, anyway. So like God of War Ragnarok. Oh, yeah. I mean, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. And then if God of War was a five, then it's one million, one million, one million. That's the hard thing, though, is because God of War has already set the bar in my eyes so high. Really fucking high. It's it's dangerous. I cannot imagine Ragnarok going to like above an eight on any of those scales. I'm not expecting it to. Yeah. I like, think, but I've been, I think I've been vocalizing my like expectation for a good, but nothing more than that sequel. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't need to is also the important thing. Like they just need to not fuck up what was great about God of War and they'll be fantastic. It'll be another masterpiece, uh, whatever you say. It's kind of like, I guess just to plug, I finally got my new Toyota GR86, um, the first gen, which is not actually the first of the 86, that's like the AE86 um, back in the day, 
But when they reintroduced it in 2012, the Scion FRS eventually became the Toyota 86 when Scion left, blah, blah, blah. That was the first gen. And it was a great car. People loved it, like affordable sports car. But they had a couple complaints with it. The engine didn't quite have enough power. Um, maybe the interior didn't feel quite as nice and stuff like that. And they took what was the first gen and they took the complaints and they addressed the complaints and they didn't change anything else. And now people are like, wow, I can universally recommend this if you like want a sports car kind of thing. And so that's kind of like what they need to do with a God of War, what they needed to do with Horizon Forbidden West is like, you got great bones here. Don't fuck with that. And it's also what Forza Horizon 5 did. They fucked with Forza Horizon 4 and it failed as a result in my eyes. Was it a fun game? Yeah. But was it worse in my eyes than Forza Horizon 4? Yeah. And that's... You shouldn't be regressing. I agree. I have not been able to not think of this, so I'm going to bring it up. Last of Us Part 2. Everything better across the board than Last of Us Part 1. In my opinion. Even though, same universe, right? I feel like... But that was... I guess that was what I was expecting when Forbidden West got announced, right? Because I feel like the sauce of the universe kind of had already been, you're spilling the tea with Horizon Zero Dawn, right? What more are you realistically going to do to make this universe fucking insane? I don't know. Um, God of War Ragnarok, you have just <coughs> literally every single family dynamic heartstring being pulled nonstop the entire game. That's like the entire point. Of, what are you going to do to top just pulling family heartstring dynamics for an entire game? I have no idea. That's why I'm just like, I'm not saying the game's going to fail, right? I expect it to be good. It's a huge AAA title. I'm assuming it's going to be really fucking fun to play and I'm going to enjoy the story. But you're just. They've just they've set the story, they've set the stage so much that I don't see what they're gonna do on top of it. Last of Us Part Two, I feel like they they just found the fucking the last exit. They were just <laughs> like, "This is it, bro. This is our last chance to turn," and they fucking took it. The fucking concurrent storylines, effectively. I mean, I know that's not how they present it literally, right? Um, but you're following two main characters throughout the story and their clash, right? And they set up so. They took such a fucking inconsequential idea from the first one, right? When the, when the first game ends, was anyone ever thinking about Abby when the first game ended, right? I mean, Abby didn't exist, right? But like, was anyone even conjuring up the notion that that would be what The Last of Us Part Two, right? So yeah. I'm not saying that the, neither of the games can do it because um, I haven't played Forbidden West, so I'm clumping that in with Ragnarok here, but... It it does it has that's what has me more suspect. I feel like Last of Us Part Two found something really special and really impressive. I guess is probably a better word to say, right? To find a part of the story that they could really expand upon and use that to make a fucking good game. Agree. Here is what gives but, me, but here is what gives me more hope for God of War Ragnarok than Horizon Forbidden West. Horizon Forbidden West is a direct continuation of Horizon Zero Dawn. It picks up immediately following the events of Horizon Zero Dawn. So it naturally cannot evolve greatly or 
become revolutionary in its story to an extent. It still does in ways, which is cool. But God yeah. of War Ragnarok, so Last of Us Part Two takes place years after the events of Last of Us Part One. Um, sure. Which gives you a lot of freedom. This character has grown and is someone different now. So they have different like personality traits and different struggles they're going through in life and different things they're doing. Um, the world has changed. So it gives you a little bit more to play with. And God of War Ragnarok is also, even though it is a continuation of the story that was started in God of War, Boy is older now. He's a teenager, and I think that's going to play play a factor. I think it's, as corny as it is, it's going to be family heartstrings, but teenager edition. <laughs> um, but that's what has me worried. Okay, because Last of Us Part Two, I feel like the thing for me, right, in terms of story, it, the they just slap you with a terrible fucking moral question at the end of it, right? And the, the whole that that to me is like the crux of The Last of Us Part One. So they hit you with the terrible moral question, right? That's good game, right? Good, good game story. I, no one's arguing, in my opinion, good game story. But then they go into way more interpersonal conflict, I feel like, with Last of Us Part Two, especially with scenes like. They could have left out scenes like the farm and stuff like that, that is just like uh was there a need for that scene? No, not at all. Do I think it added to those characters immensely? Absolutely, right? And I think the, like scenes like that is what makes the game really good. But also, just like the total fucking fist fight box off at the end is just the summation of the whole fucking story, right? It's just two fucking people that are just like, what the fuck? That is the they're wondering the whole time. So you can, but <clears throat> God of War already brought in the scene. This is early enough in the story. I don't feel that bad about it. When you go to Bug World, because I'm going to call it Bug World. <laughs> so it's when the you go elf to Bug world. world. It's the light elf world. It's Alfheim. But yes. Yeah. And fucking Kratos gets to see his fucking wife. And right. And he is just like, oh, my God, this is real. And then boy pulls him out. That whole scene was just that scene. You're not going to you're not going to top something like that. in Ragnarok. That scene was fucking insane. That was heart-wrenching for me. I'm emotional thinking about it. I agree. No beat. No beat. <clears throat> Here is what I suspect might happen in Ragnarok, but more what I hope will happen. So Ooh, okay. we spent all of God of War developing our relationship with Boy. And at the end... <laughs> he doesn't have a name. He, he became a little asshole. And then at the end... The fucking epic fight with Balder, amazing, and fighting with Boy, Cracked it feels fight. great. Cracked fight. Yeah. yeah, and you end this positive, oh, what's Boy going to be, all this stuff. And now he's become an angsty teenager who is questioning his identity. I want them to turn Kratos and Atreus against each other, or at least turn Atreus against Kratos completely this time. I want to fight Atreus. In I want him to become, if not the main villain, one of the villains, at least temporarily in the game. Gut instinct is it feels rehashy because I already feel like that dynamic has been explored. But do, do I think that they could do it in a way that would not feel rehashy, right? Like, absolutely. But that's what it just, I'm trying to think of vectors that Ragnarok can realistically go at this point, And that's why I'm sus. 
Do I, I hope I, that I'm wrong? Absolutely, right? I get it. I they they it's it would be much easier for them to not fail, but like not hit the same highs maybe as like the Last of Us Part Two was compared to God of War. But I think they could do that particular plot line some very good justice if they gave it enough airtime. The 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 boy like dynamic in the first God of War was brief, even though it felt forever because boy was being an asshole. I fucked up is really what you're trying to say because I I did too many side quests. But it was supposed to be brief. And even if you did that, it's still as part of like the overarching story. It was a very brief moment. It was short. Yeah. If this becomes the arc of this game, um, like think, think of boy, like as, as he's becoming a teenager, as he's becoming an adult, he's wrestling with what his values actually are. They're dealing with Ragnarok and this threat and maybe how to deal with it. And boy, again, gaining more confidence and who he is and his ancestry is maybe taking a different path. Kratos has already gone through this path of becoming the ghost of Sparta and doing all these terrible things and learning restraint. Just like we, our parents have probably tried to instill in us the restraint that they've learned from their own upbringing and adulthood. I think they could do something with that. Is that what they're going to do? I don't know. Could they easily fuck it up to your point and just kind of do a rehash? Also, I have more hope and faith in Santa Monica, but I don't Kratos' know. story is fucking insane. When I think about like just all the backstory for Kratos from yeah before 2018, I mean they they've but the thing it's so interesting that I I love Kratos' backstory and it's all from hack and slash video game. Yeah. <laughs> Right, like 2018 was that. I think that's a huge. Also, that's also why I'm super sus on not. I do not expect it to flop. I expect it to be better in many regards, but I do not think that I would review it higher as my expectation. Right. Mm, yeah. I also it's sequelitis um, too. Like it's just it's hard. Yeah, the reboot just did so many things to fucking refresh so many aspects of the game. I mean, the hack and slash genre has been dead, right? Like, it's just, that's not, I don't think that's coming back. I mean, who knows? Maybe the 20 year thing, like pop punk apparently is having a revival, right? So maybe the slack and slash fucking revival and I don't know, 2030, I guess. We'll come back. <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, I just don't, I don't see a revival at all. But I also, I just feel like they, they hit, really heavy fucking topics in this one too especially in comparison to man i was playing like god of war 2 for the first time and i'm not gonna disclaim what age i was for my mom's sake but all i know is i was i was rather young and i was hitting all these buttons to be having sex with random women in bed as kratos not that it gets like graphic at all but that is the type of fucking what god of war 1 through 3 was right yeah. it was just like you're murdering people and you're fucking people that is just you are you are a god you are the god of war you are the shit you are kratos so yeah they just did so much to reboot it and like i said that scene that i mentioned and the balder fight oh my god i just don't know how those are two of the most badass slash sad ass <laughs> scenes in like video game that I can think of, you know? Yeah. I just don't know how <clears throat> you finally get the chance to be back with the love of your life who you lost however long ago, right? And then you get pulled back into the real world and you've left the only last thing that you love on this world alone to almost die and have to fend for its life. 
right? Like that is just that's 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 pretty heavy. That's pretty heavy. It sounds like you think God of War is the greatest game of all time. <laughs> oh my god, honestly, Hollow Knight kind of sucks. So <laughs> no, I still hold that Hollow Knight is a fucking baller. But do I love that scene? Absolutely. That scene was insane. Yeah. The farm scene from The Last of Us Part Two, and the fight, those were the two scenes that really stick out for me in that game. The other ones are like more like atmospheric, like when Abby's crossing the fucking scaffolding. That's an atmospheric scene to me. That's fair. Does it feel good? Absolutely. But the, the farm scene like was like tear jerking. I mean, that was just horribly depressing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should stop playing video games. Why are we why are we choosing to be sad? Who knows? <laughs> it's a all emotions have a place in our lives and they're all important. So Yeah. You you want the range to appreciate everything. We our bodies are very good and our minds are the same at kind of adapting and creating new equilibriums. So, if we're one emotion all the time, eventually as with anything, you'll just kind of lose your sensitivity that won't mean as much. You want to have those emotions. They teach you important lessons. Moral of the story, man. That's true. That's true. But I, I'm, I'm struggling to think. I was gonna just like rapid fire the tech news. I say we hold off because I also have another question that I want to ask anyway. So yeah, I'm <laughs> gonna is- retitle this uh, episode to basically be like, "What makes a game great?" I think is what's gonna be the new title for this um, this episode. All right, continue. Well, do you like the new? I, I say we do the metrics of I, I like the <clears throat> story gameplay innovation. So I, I feel like we stick with that. I'm good with that. Yeah. We can, we can split the innovation as you did. The, the other thing, since we've been talking about it so much, maybe I, well, I, okay, this is, <laughs> I, it's like three thoughts right there. One at a time. I got this. Um, we've been talking so much about like really good story moments, right? So naturally, I want to ask, what is other story moments that really fucking stick out to you in games? Mm. But I also think that we could just continue this as like gameplay moments that really stick out to you in games of just when you were just like, this is just, I mean, like for me, literally first like Doom 2016, right? When first starting playing Doom and you're just like, (laughs) this game is literally about nothing other than just like, killing demons game so badass for the game is badass for the sake of being badass or just because three that would be my other gameplay moment that i like comes straight off the top of the head but we could the point is is we could have the whole fucking exposition on the rating scale for all of them but story moments i mean that really stick out to you we've talked about this one before the horizon zero dawn conference room scene um yeah that's a good one solid yeah <laughs> um I'm trying to think in there's for sure one if not two in Horizon Forbidden West um that I <laughs> can't say and cuz that's what I kind of I kind <clears throat> of like when we talk about this it makes it interesting cuz it's would I say that there's a story moment in Hollow Knight that I went oh fuck nah not really i mean i do remember i do like i enjoyed the story of hollow knight when i was going through it right do i think it's just like void of meaning and interpretation no not at all (laughs) void nice uh also do i think that the hollow knight fight is just depressing as fuck 
absolutely right but that's like the thing that sticks out to me honestly the most um that was my moment is, by the way in hollow knight was the hollow knight fight that that fight and the music the, that, that's, the third and fourth stages of that fight are some of the most depressing gameplay moments i've ever had because i'm trying to kill this man i won't yeah. spoil what it's, what else is happening but He's sweating out of his armpits, and no one likes armpit sweat, so you have to kill him. But And also, going back, reading the lore and understanding Hollow Knight was a lot of the oh shit moments for me, too, of kind of like realizing what I was doing and what I had done and what everything meant. It was also kind of like, the story of Hollow Knight, it doesn't, it's not a story-driven game, necessarily. It doesn't smack you in the face like the other ones do, but it has a good. It's to me, it's it is a from soft story. It's a that's why people compare. Like this is why people compare it to Souls. I feel like this is why people compare Blasphemous to Souls because it's not innately smack you in the face story type games, but they built enough of the universe in a way that's well built enough that it's very compelling when you go through it. I do think the last fight within <clears throat> Hollow Knight does really. Sp- there's no way that you have no idea what's going on when you <laughs> they do. They have so many fucking cues is the way that he fights, the way that the music's going. Right. Just the, everything is just like you are not supposed to be happy while you are winning this battle. <laughs> I can think of a few more moments in Last of Us Part Two outside of the farm. That game is full of moments. I think the farm is just so fucking the farm and the fight are so OP that I don't even think it's worth bringing up other ones because I think those ones are so good. I Yeah, I think the farm is the most impactful moment in that game, without that question. That was emotionally challenging for no reason other than the developers just wanted to be emotionally challenging. That's how I viewed it. Like, that was just... Did it, did it, did it contribute to, I guess, like, the magnitude of the game? Yes. Do I think the game would have been almost, if not just as good without it? Absolutely. But that scene was just like a fucking. So I think it's relatable um, because without giving away too much of what it is, we've all, I think, struggled with a decision we know is right or know is best for us. And we, we do the opposite. Yeah. Like that is, I think, something we can all relate to. And you've spent a game building towards something, and it just—I'll leave it there. And it just, mm, yeah, doesn't always feel good. Mm-mm. We've experienced it, they're, they're human emotions. That's why God of War is so great. Last of Us is so great. Like these are human emotions that we all experience in one way or another. Um, But that's why I feel like Last of Us OG, right, for the most part, touched much less sensitive emotions, right? I think that Last of Us Part 2, I feel like the ethical question at the end to me is the big kicker. But I, I feel like past that, it hit just like... Yeah, it just hit less like personal questions, I guess maybe is a better way to say it, right? I... Agree to the extent that I think we empathize less with the story in The Last of Us Part 1 because we don't have children and we don't have that loss of a child and the developing relationship um, with another and and through all this. I think that's maybe... But I don't think it's a less significant 
relationship or, or impact. I think we just okay, live for me, what The Last of Us Part Two is personally. Well, let me let me couch marginally, and then let me explain why I'm correct. Um, okay, so <laughs> sure, is it less impactful? No. Do I think that the average audience would respond better to Last of Us Part Two than Last of Us Part One? I would say like tenfold. Right. I just think that the message behind The Last of Us Part Two is a way more universal message. Already what you're saying by like the adulthood and especially the loss of, or sorry, like having a child, right? And then the loss of having a child, those are much more specific and much less innately relatable things. Can you relate to them innately? Sure, you can imagine having a child, but unless you've experienced what's going on in that, you know, you're you're essentially just trying to say the closer you are to Joel's experience, the better the game is, right? I think The Last of Us Part 2 hits shit that just anyone would fucking understand. So I I agree. And so I think from the argument of is it accessible to more people, yes, The Last of Us Part 2 would be better in that regard. But I don't want to downplay the significance of that relationship um, in The Last of Us Part sure. 1. Like I, I, they, they made but- it more accessible in The Last of Us Part 2, but I don't think it... like took this like gigantic leap from like, oh, we're touching on soft subjects to hard hitting subjects in the second game. I think it's just like we went from this scope to this scope. But that's why I'm saying the last, but the, I don't think the magnitude in subjects, sure. I I was underselling the different or overselling the differential, right? The magnitude subject matter wise is relatively similar between the two. But the fact that the scope to me, the Delta is that much larger, is why The Last of Us Part Two is that much better. I'll buy right? that. I think yeah. the, the scope is that, and that I just don't see the magnitude, God of War OG 2018, not OG at all, but the God of, <laughs> magnitude of that is already fucking really high, and the scope to me is really big. And now you don't have gameplay reboot aspects right you've already done a huge gameplay reboot you've done a huge graphical reboot so i just i don't see where the innovation is coming from yeah so the innovation is going to be the the most interesting category because i i think the story and the gameplay are going to be hopefully on par with the first one if not at least improve somewhere um no that's fair the Going back to also all over the place in terms of conversation, but story moments for <clears> me, <throat> the one thing that really sticks out of my head is when Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty, they broke the fourth wall at the very end of the game. Yeah. That shit, when I was younger, that was like fucking three people walking in the room and all smacking me in the face at once. So, <laughs> um, actually, real quick. Oops. Best story moments yeah so I'm, I'm looking up our top 50 mo video games bracket um to give me inspiration on some games to try and think of moments um bioshock has a pretty great moment actually it has quite a few great moments in it um, bioshock is so fucking 
all over the place. Bio- Bioshock's crack. I agree with I, like I'm not disagreeing with you, but Bioshock's fucking insane. Um, specifically, I know we've both talked about this, but when you first come up in that pod and you you run into your first splicer or slicer or whatever their name is, that just sets the tone so fucking well. <laughs> Ooga booga. Um, I know you talk about the Halo Two bomb scene a lot. Um. I, I don't yeah. know if that qualifies as like a story moment, but ugh, this is pretty badass. Oh, Uncharted Four on the fucking the the scene I always reference. Oh, yeah, I don't yeah. even need to say more than that. That's that scene fucking killed that that scene like literally made. The, I'm sure I would have liked the game. Don't get me wrong, but that game made that that scene made that game fucking legendary for me. Yeah, like that that scene was just like uh far too relatable. Or like far too personal for me to not just like disregard and just be like oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The Uncharted games got some good shit in them, for sure. Yeah, I mean, everyone loves climbing yellow lines. Oh, overcooked. Let me tell you about story moments. Okay. Okay. If you win it, if you win it. Um. Ooh, Firewatch. That one. See, Firewatch didn't hit me with it. And I'm seeing Firewatch and also all the lists I'm seeing. So I know I, I'm already very aware that it hit people with it, but. Yeah, I know. We've discussed this. Go listen to the Mo Video Games top 50 video game bracket if you want to hear more. Um, A lot of people are saying uh, Ghost of Tsushima and The Witcher 3 for story driven <clears throat> games. How do you feel about that? Because I haven't finished neither. So. I mean, do they have good story moments and good stories? Yes. Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, that's yeah, actually okay. Yeah, actually. That Dragon Cancer is listed up there, which uh my friend works at that uh gaming studio. Fun fact. So nice. Yeah. I'm excited to see they're going into VR. I don't know if I can spiritually handle VR, but we're gonna find out. So <laughs> um but Ghost of Tsushima, I would say going from Act Two into Act Three, that moment is pretty impactful. It's not a surprise but it they handle it really gracefully and well and that i liked a lot yeah um what was that when you said oh witcher 3 yeah eh, i because the it the witcher 3 kind of is skyrimy for me where the main story is good but like i had way more fun with the side quests and the side stories in the world of the witcher 3 the main story is kind of generic I think at the end of the day, but there's some really cool side quests and stories um, and hidden things very similar to Skyrim. I like a lot. I actually beat the Witcher three. So I would say the story is more interesting than Skyrim, Um, (laughs) but uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, Oh, kill a lot of people. Or you go. I was going to say kills on Shadowfall. Actually, speaking of guerrilla games, uh, the end is kind of cool. Pretty poggy. It's pretty poggy. All right, continue. I a lot of these are saying uh, Knights of the Old Republic, but I'm very interested. I don't know if I ever like literally want beat the full story, but I got like 
I would say 80 to 90 plus percent through the story. So I think I have a pretty good, I don't, unless they literally hit the craziest fucking curveball at the end, which I feel 100% confident they didn't. Um, but that was just like, that was, I feel like that was just a good story for the time, right? They made, they made a movie. They made a movie into a video game that still felt like a movie, but was a video game level enjoyment to play through, right? Like the story was movie level enjoyment while the game was still fucking game level enjoyment to go through, which for the time felt really fucking exciting. Um, but like now is definitely significantly less impressive. <coughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. And that poor, and that poor back and forth. Hmm. <laughs> I still think that the uh yeah Sons of Liberty two and it broke the fourth wall. That that fucked me up pretty bad. Yeah, it's it it's hard to think of the like the Horizon Zero Dawn moment, the God of War moment, Last of Us Part Two moment. If we're just Wait, talking God of War moment. Oh, the ones that yeah. The the ones the ones we've discussed. If if I had to pick a singular I feel like moment, the God of War moment in terms of not sad. Right, but when he gets his fucking blades back, woo, that's a that's pretty hype. Yeah, blades, blades back, and at the the very end, what happens to the final boss? That moment, also pretty pog. That whole they just they threw those they just kept. How could we throw more family dynamics to make this game more more fucking intense? That's what it felt like. Just constant smack in the fucking family face. That's yeah. what they did. Ooh, okay. Gears of War 2. Um, that has a scene. If you played the game, you already know what I'm talking about, so I don't even need to fucking <laughs> elaborate on it any more than that. The scene on that, oh my god, that... For especially the time of that, that was one of the most depressing scenes in a fucking video game I have ever seen in my life. Um, and definitely, I feel like games are way more keen on having very sensitive and depressing moments now. But given the time of that, this is Xbox 360 era, right? Where everyone's just wearing a full suit of armor and shows no emotion. So when they show any emotion at all, you're just, oh my God, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. I'll have to think on that. That'll be interesting to continue to come back to and think about. Um, yeah. It's not meant to be an easy question. And that's what we tackle on the Mo Video Games podcast, those difficult questions. I know. I'm excited about the content we actually discussed today, though. That's some that's some good shit. Like I said, I'm going to change the title to What Makes a Game Great. Because um, I think that's effectively what we're trying to get at with this entire conversation. And we could argue that even your start with Blasphemous ties into that because needing to come back and figure out DLC and waste your time doesn't make a game great. Yeah, that's frustrating. Factually. Being Diamond in Rocket League? That makes a game great. Satisfying. Factually. <laughs> just had to sneak that one in there right before we get out of here. I appreciate it. I just wanted, you know, in case anyone was wondering, um, I can play car soccer. Okay, Dying Light, I do want to say, because when we started talking about the rankings, I started thinking about some of my top eights. Dying Light, story-wise, is like a fucking six or seven for me, yeah, right? It, but I don't know how else to describe because I don't 
feel like atmosphere can go into gameplay, but I feel like the atmosphere is like a million, right? The rest of it's just like good to pretty good. Yeah, because that's the genre, right? Like a, a zombie apocalypse game, you the atmosphere is more important in that than like Grand Theft Auto V. And like, sure, the, yeah. the atmosphere of like cops running around shooting everybody is important to Grand Theft Auto. But that's different than like really setting the mood and the environment of Dying Light. And it does it so well. Um, best best atmospheric game, in my opinion, that I've played. Though I will say, speaking of Grand Theft Auto V, the cut me tattoo will go down forever <laughs> in history for me. That shit, or cut here, that shit is so fucking good. I am simultaneously super hyped and super nervous for Grand Theft Auto 6. Because um, the, the direction Rockstar has been going with their games as a service has me nervous the direction the industry is going with nfts and microtransactions and stuff makes me very nervous but at the same time grand theft auto 5 is unquestionably one of the greatest games of all time oh I lost no arguments you. oh and now you're back oh i was just clipping you that's why you're you're too Hello? quiet <laughs> it's good I am not worried. I don't think that Rockstar is capable of producing a flop, especially because they take 18 fucking decades between each one. So I'm going I'm to call it right now. Taking notes right now. If this game flops, you know who to come flame. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to flop. I'm not saying it's going to be a fucking... I think it's going to be like an 8 to... It's, let me put it this way. It's going to be around the 9... Pretty much guaranteed. If we're saying like GTA Five is like a ten, right? I'm gonna say it's gonna it's gonna kick ass really fucking hard. Everyone's gonna go ape shit over it, almost no matter what. Cause like RDR two, people are saying is fucking goaded ten out of ten shit. You know. I also like how we recently complained about using the number scale, and then just instantly we we're like, we're going all in on it, baby. Well, we expounded upon it, so that's we improved expanded, it. I mean, yeah. It's entirely different. We're not even using numbers anymore. We're using four numbers. <laughs> <laughs> or wait, more than that, or less than that, depending on which side you want to go for. So, if you stop counting, you're good to go. The answer is two. But I think that's a good place to stop it. This somehow we covered the least amount of topics I think we ever have in a podcast and simultaneously made it the longest podcast. Um, so I guess let us know if you happen to listen to this. Um, How are you is, mad? Is this format more interesting to you? Would you rather we just deep dive into single topics and not glance over everything else that we talk about? What do you want to hear? We would love your feedback. Genuinely. Please, God. Um, I will leave everyone with this. Okay. okay. <laughs> also, let us know, in addition to if you like this format, do you think a tra we're going to fight Atreus in God of War Ragnarok? Leave a comment. Let us know how right I am and how much you want to see it. Um, Thank you for attending my TED Talk. <laughs> That's it for this episode. Um, you can catch us on Instagram, uh, where we basically we let you know some stuff. You can leave comments yep, yep. on Instagram. So yep, yep. do that. And uh, YouTube, we record the podcast live. If you happen to oh, catch yeah. us live, you hit that notification bell, 
you can chat with us. We will be more than happy to talk with you. Purple Misfit and Doctor Who are regulars. We love to see them. Shout out to those guys. Um, happy birthday to Emma again. Gotta leave on that note. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll catch you all in the next one. Juicy. Juicy. Juicy.